Hi everyone, welcome to Freedom for Nothing. This is a production of the Freedom Advocacy Network. Each week we discuss the latest fan content with our authors and our contributors right here. I'm Solon and this week I'm joined by Becky, an analyst at the Center for Risk Analysis. Becky, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing well on yourself, Sherlin. I'm good. I can't complain, Vicky. Thank you for making the time. Um, first up, today we'll be looking at fans' latest explainer video, um, which we release every Monday. And this week's one is titled, What is a Fiscal um, Deficit? So let's have a quick watch. Whenever politicians or economists talk about the economy, it often sounds like a wara wara waffle. To make economic policy something you can use to fight for freedom, let's unwarawara and de-waffle a key economic term. Fiscal deficit. Whenever the government spends more than it raises in a period, like a budget year, the shortfall is what we call the fiscal deficit. Now just like it is risky for you to spend more than you earn, relying on credit cards and facilities, it's risky for the government to spend more than it gets in taxes. Fiscal deficits can be measured in many ways, but it is usually measured as a percentage of GDP. At close to 14%, South Africa's fiscal deficit today is far higher than what is considered to be large and risky. When a government keeps on running fiscal deficits, it pushes itself deeper and deeper into debt, debt that attracts an interest, and interest you as a taxpayer actually pays. So instead of your taxes paying for schools, hospitals, roads, and social support, a large chunk of the taxes you pay simply goes to pay down debt interest. Any responsible person will tell you, if you're in debt, get out of it as soon as you can by living within your means. Don't spend more than you earn and only on the things you really need. It's time you say this to government. Ultimately, there's no such thing as government money. Every cent government has is taxpayer money, your money. And you have the right and freedom to demand that government works responsibly with it. If you don't, fiscal deficits will keep snowballing into more and more debt and debt interest. In the end, making our country bankrupt and our people less free. Your freedom is worth fighting for. Join FAN today to build a new tomorrow. Yeah, Becky. Um, so as our explainer video clearly states that it's clearly not sustainable for any government um, to be spending more money that they, than they earn from um, taxes, as our explainer video points out. And my question to you, first up, is straight. Is it sustainable for government to spend more money than they earn? No, it is not, uh, Sheldon. Uh, for that results in an increase in the debt when we're looking at uh, gross uh, government debt in the country. An ideal situation is to actually have a budget surplus, which is basically the government spends less than what they receive in tax revenue. And we, South Africa has already done that before. Uh, from the period 1994 until 2007, under the leadership of Nelson Mandela and Tabumbeki, we actually halved our debt levels, and which was achieved by a budget surplus, as well as a GDP growth rate of 3 to 5%. Uh, subsequent to that period, unfortunately, we had a change in policy and we had a change in the way of thinking uh, when looking at the current administration, where we have increased levels of uh, government debt, as well as a massive levels of uh, uh, budget deficit. In fact, our current budget deficit, as we currently look at it, have only been eclipsed three times in South African history. First, during the First World War, 
second during the Second World War, as well as the uh, third one during the end of apartheid. And the thing about it is that when governments tend to run out of money, it sets in motion a political realignment where the government could then change, uh, which is what we see happening in the foreseeable future in South Africa. So it's definitely not sustainable. Another consequence of having uh, large budget deficits is that it increases debt servicing costs, which was explained in the explainer video. Now, the thing that's mostly missed uh, by most government officials is what could have been spent by the increased amount of money that we're now spending on debt servicing costs. We could have been spending more on education, could have improved education, uh, as well as that of service delivery, policing, and so forth. Yeah, and another topic currently that's happening in the United States um, is that they are having this discussion about raising the debt ceiling, um, which has to do with government spending. And there's currently a contestation happening between the two major political parties in the United States. And we see that there's usually these solutions given. No, you can just raise the debt ceiling. You can just raise the amount of debt we can have. And even in South Africa, we tend to have this uh, from certain political parties. We hear that, no, you can't spend more money and that will make all our debt go away, which is a very ludicrous idea. I think just print more money and then all of our problems will go away. Whereas in, we see that some of the risks that are taking place specifically in America is that if the debt situation isn't resolved, the country will go into a recession, um, job losses can be experienced and so would you just give, give us some of the consequences which would take place if South Africa's debt isn't dealt with in a sustainable way? Yeah, you already touched on uh, one of the consequences there, which is that mm -hmm. now the ideas of we can just print, South Africa just print its way out of debt. Uh, unfortunately, that's <laughs> that seems to be getting traction by certain officials. Uh, the consequence of that, Sherlin, is that it will cause hyperinflation in the country, mm. and that negatively impacts a large proportion of South Africans. It means that the value, the purchasing power, gets diminished over time. In, in a way, it's expropriation of the purchasing power, because that's exactly what it is. Uh, that's one of the consequences. The second of the, second consequence of that is that we have will experience increase in taxes. In fact, South Africa is already expanding. Uh, sorry, South Africans are already paying so much in tax revenue when you're yeah. looking at government uh, uh, revenue as a proportion of GDP. So we are already overstretched, and if the government continues to continue in this trajectory, we'll be two, three times more stretched than we are currently. Sure, and that is that is scary news because I'm like some of the solutions um, appear to be quick fixes, but we know that there are long-term consequences for some of these, for some of these things like this printing money. Because another yeah. thing I'm also concerned about is that although they tell us you know we can spend more money, we also need to question how much of that money actually is going to reach the improve to improve schools, improve infrastructure. And how much of the world just disappear off the sideway, as we saw with during this COVID nineteen period, with like PPE um, funds and emergency funds just being siphoning off through you don't know where it ends up, but it definitely just goes somewhere. And yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think this is a good um, segue for us to actually go on to our next segment, which we will actually be discussing another thing that has been hampering South Africa's economy for more than a decade now, and that is BE. And this article um, by that is actually titled um, Five Ways BE Has Damaged South Africa's Economy. 
So BE has been an ANC-led um, government initiative, um, and it has been in place for more than a decade now. And instead of it growing and creating jobs, it uh, has instead resulted in job loss, corruption, and affecting those who were initially disadvantaged, um, the very people it was, it was meant to improve. And Becky, I mean, we have seen the proof that BE does not work. Our unemployment rate is skyrocketing at the moment. So what do you say to someone who comes to you, but Becky, you are black. You are you're supposed to support black economic empowerment because it sounds so nice. Yeah, uh, it does. And it's for that same reason that I'm actually against BE. Now, I'm not a particular individual that states that the color of your race in South Africa today will determine where you will be in life in the foreseeable future. However, there are issues that disproportionately affect black families, and in no way, shape, or form does BE help to address those issues, particularly uh, when we look at employment levels. South Af black South Africans have the lowest employment levels, sitting at 35% when compared to what we see in developed markets at 61%. So we are half, almost half percentage of what we see in other developed markets. Uh, policies, re redistributive policies such as BE are not, uh, are not helping in any way, shape or form. Uh, as you've already stated already, it only helps the select few compared to the uh, large proportion of South Africans that don't benefit from it. And that's exactly why I'm against it, because a large portion of South Africans do not benefit from it. And unfortunately, those South Africans are the ones that are not seen by policymakers that implement these policies. Yeah, and one of the estimates is actually an interesting fact, is that one of the estimates that we have um, highlighted um, as fan is that the estimates state that BE has transferred about one trillion to politicians and uh, hmm. trade unionist elite. Because it clearly only benefits the connected elite, as as you mentioned, Becky. Um, yeah. And it contributes nothing to the creation of jobs, um, nothing to the important infrastructure that South Africa needs, especially for those who are disadvantaged. Your thoughts, yeah. Becky? Exactly. Uh, a point that I'd like to emphasize more is the opportunity cost. What could have been done with that one trillion? Uh, rants that was stolen by yeah. uh, government officials and politically connected. Could be thousands more of jobs, it could be increased investment. And guess who would have benefited most from that? Black South Africans, because the large proportions of South Africans that are poor today are black South Africans. And there was a time where we saw a betterment in the lives of these particular individuals in the years that South Africa was growing at three to five percent. What we're currently seeing right now, unfortunately, is a decade long of stagnation. And if nothing changes currently, mm -hmm that unfortunately we'll see massive levels of poverty, massive levels of crime levels, massive levels of riots. July was just a large scale that we've never seen before. So then the months and years ahead, unfortunately, if nothing changes, we might see it at a greater scale. And just a point that I'd also like to emphasize, you do see that these particular individuals that benefit from BE, um, they then state that even though, let's say, the next black person is not benefiting from BE and I am, you should be happy for me. And I think yeah. that's absolutely and utterly disgusting, to be quite honest. <laughs> yeah. Nah, that's that that's really scary. And I know, like, um, there's a score by um, Milton Friedman, if I remember correctly, which states that we shouldn't be judging policies by the intentions, but by the yes. outcome. And the exactly. real life 
consequences that they provide. So the rhetoric around it is brilliantly marked because who could possibly disagree with black economic empowerment, but yeah. we know that it's actually just blatant elite enrichment. Yeah. But and B, exactly, exactly, you're spot on. And B is just one theme of the of the redistributive policy. The next one is that of EWC, NHI, uh, now in the Employment Equity Act. Those are all redistributive policies that will not amount to much in South Africa. In fact, will actually lead to a decline in economic activity and a decline in social economic uh, standing of South Africans here in the country. So we need to absolutely scrap them, not judge them by their intent, but the actual outcome. That's how we should judge policy. Brilliantly said, Becky. Thanks for being on the show. Guys, we have now reached the end of this episode. Becky, I hope you'll be able to join us soon again. And to our viewers, don't forget to catch us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, IGTV, and anywhere you are on social media, you can find fan content. And to join fan and support our fight for freedom, sign up at freedomadvocacy.net. And remember, guys, that your freedom is worth fighting for.